says, I see it breaking on the horizon. It's close, folks. There's things that are happening in this body that are just so exciting, and I believe that I can see it. Even when I can't see all the details, I still believe it, that I can see it breaking on the horizon. Can you see that? Can you feel that in your spirit? Boy, I tell you, that's that's exciting stuff. So that song encouraged me, so I wanted to share it with you tonight. How is everybody tonight? Doing all right? Give yourself a round of applause for coming out tonight. Thank you. I'm doing great. <laughs> I'm doing great. I'm going to tell you a couple of things I'm excited about tonight. I, I was talking to Christina last night, and I said, you know, I'm speaking. And I said, do you know what I'm speaking about tomorrow? And she says, yeah, I, I, the book of James. I'm like, you know, you can't speak on the book of James in one service. I told her, I said, you could do a, I feel like I could do a 12-message series on the book of James. It's only five chapters. You can read it in 20 or 30 minutes. I encourage you to do that on a regular basis because it's so instructive and so encouraging. But you could really, I mean, you know, there's so much in there that this, so I don't, that's when I saw it on the the little uh, uh, sign as we leave and in the bulletin. So, you know, I'm not speaking on the book of James tonight. I'm speaking about something in the book of James because there's so much there. And uh, maybe I'll have the opportunity next week, I know I will, but maybe I'll have the opportunity to speak on that and just what the Lord has uh, encouraged me with in this in, in the future. So thank you again for being here. So, look, the book of James, as I said, is five chapters. It's 108 verses. It has inside that five-chapter book 54 things that would be considered imperatives or commands or encouragements. And also, the thing about the book of James is that it's uh, the, the, the way, and this is just my feeling about the way it kind of works its way and flows through those five chapters, it just is something that I consider as an essential part of God's playbook for my life. And I call it that. That's one of the things I call the Bible, by the way. The Word of God, 66 books, cover to cover. That's a playbook for me. That's what I can get up and look at and say, this is how I'm going to move ahead today. And then today's turn into weeks, and weeks turn into months. But I'm going to take that day by day, and, and this is the playbook for our lives. Amen? And James has so many interesting things and so many encouraging things. Uh, One other fact about it is maybe many of you know or maybe you don't, but James was the first book in the New Testament that was written. Did anyone know that? It's the first book of the Bible. It was a letter that James wrote, but it it, it was, you know, depending on, you know, there's different points of view of it. But it was quite a number of years before before Paul even wrote his first letter. So it, it was really the first thing... Other than Jesus and his life and his ministry and the word that, that spread amongst early believers, it was the first thing that was provided to early Christians for their encouragement and for their instruction. And so it was very important, especially at the time when, when this was written in the first century. First century Christians were under a lot of distress. How many people have ever looked at the few chapters in Acts that have talked about all the persecution that Christians were going through? 
If not, you may want to do that. I mean, there's a few chapters that will outline it. Basically, in the first century, the Christians <laughs> that had to deal with things, we can't relate to that. We can't even have an idea of what they had to go through. And we have difficulties and trials, and we hear of, in the Middle East, we hear of things like uh, persecution of Christians. This real is happening. They're targeting them. They're, they're killing them. It's very serious. But it's still not anything that we can really relate to as it was in the first century. That was a time where you were on the run, looking over your shoulder, worried about being killed, worried about your family being kidnapped, worried about being stoned. I mean, it was, a, it was not easy to be a Christian, certainly not like the life that we live here. And so for that, for, for these words of James to be able to be distributed amongst first century Christians, they needed that. They needed the things that were that were in this. So it was a very, I say that all to say, as I was looking at some of the historical parts of it, it's a very important book, and it was at a very timely uh, point in the, in the early stages of the church. So tonight, what I want to talk about, within all of the things, as I said, is this idea and this word, patience. See, well, there it is. Patience. So I'm going to ask a question, and I'm going to ask you to respond. How many people don't need any further help with patience in their life? Would you please stand to your feet now? Thank you. <laughs> I need to sit down. I need to be the first one to sit down. Um, Patience is something that is never anything that you can arrive at that you're finished with in your in your life, and that's in your in, in your life in your spiritual life particularly. I think it's an ongoing thing. Now you can become more patient, and you can develop that, and, and God can use that. But you never can be too patient. Does that make sense? You don't, you never can be too patient. Well, man, I was just too patient with that. I don't think that that is something that you have. There's, there's a culture that we live in in the United States, particularly, I'd say, in the USA, that everything that our culture has developed over time into everything being fast. Now, I need it now, I need it now, I need it fast. Oh, no, I don't want to wait. Oh, you don't have it in stock at Best Buy? Well, then I'm going to go buy it somewhere else. Or you don't have what I need right here. Technology's done that. Computers, smartphones. Think about this. I was telling Bob the other day we were talking about this. What is contained in this little box right here is multiplied over and over the power of all of the computers, which were vast and took up rooms and rooms and rooms, that NASA used to send our astronauts to the moon and back. All of that is now contained in this. Because technology has developed, and it was as done is, for good or for bad, it's made things more available faster, faster, faster. The time that we get information is faster. The news that we used to see, we here's how you used to get your news. Newspaper in the morning, news at 6 o'clock, national news at 6.30, right? That was it. Not now. We get notifications on our phone if we set them up that way, or we can get, be getting news flashes every 15 minutes. I've got more notifications today on Corinne Brown's trial than I know what to do with. I finally just, i got to go in there and turn this off, man. I mean, just tell me when it's over. <laughs> it's minute by minute. Fast, fast, fast. We've got to have it now. In the 1950s, let me show you this. These two guys here, Richard and Maurice McDonald. That's 
their first restaurant there where they developed a system to produce food faster. It was this sort of an assembly line type concept. And, and the way they did all of it isn't important, but what they did is they revolutionized the way food was delivered to the consumer. Before then, you ate food on plates. That's what you did. You had food in a bag? That didn't exist. And then what happened is, as a result of it, it was very innovative, and it took on because people liked the idea of being able to not have to order and wait 30 minutes for their food. They could go up there, order, and then in a minute or two later, here comes a bag of food. Well, that is just, I mean, an example, and there's so many others in, in, our, in our world and our history, but that's a prime thing because what those guys did, and then Ray Kroc, of course, just, you know, mass-produced it and franchised it all over the country and then ultimately all over the world. That is a paradigm shift in how food was delivered. Everything that was wasn't anymore, and now it's faster and it's immediate and it developed into our expectations, so now all these other restaurants do it. You have more fast food restaurants in America than other restaurants. Do you realize that? By a factor of a great deal. And so what it is is that, again, I'm just saying all of this to say that the culture that we, have, that we live in today that has been developed is all about now. Well, that is the total opposite of the word right. When we want it now, we're not patient. It's like when you stand in the line at a grocery store. If you've got a line and you're standing there and you've got a couple of people in front of you, what are you thinking? Really? Tell me what you're thinking. Why don't they open another line? Or do you just stand there and say, eh, that's fine. I'll just be here. I'm fine. No problem. Well, if you do, then great. And then you're a little further on. Not me. I'm looking around to see if that guy is going, somebody's going to come over. And when they open it, I'm going to be the first one to get over in that line. Right? Patience is something that we're not conditioned in our culture today to accept. That's my point in saying that. And so, and I think what James says is that it is essential. <laughs> it is very, very important to our spiritual walk and our spiritual life to have that quality, to have that, really, that gift that we can develop. So, I think, you know, when you, when you look at, this, the, the culture that I'm talking about, and our, if, if, that, if, that, um, if that falls onto our Christ walk, what happens is we can be in a place where we may miss what God wants to say to us. That's why patience is so important. If we're moving too fast, we might miss what he's trying to say. He might miss when he wants us, we might miss when he wants us to move or when he wants us to stay. Because we're trying to move too fast. We may miss what God has. And in, in that, then what you can do is you can miss the blessings of God. You can miss the blessings of God because we're so impatient. That's someplace I don't want to be. I don't want to be putting myself in a place where, through any action that I take, that I can miss hearing from God. Amen? Or that I can miss the blessings of God. Right? So, I mean, those are things that I think patience is critical. 
critical for me, I believe, and I think it's critical for every believer to develop that in the very most powerful way in your life to make sure that we hear from God, that we move when He wants us to move, that we stay when He wants us to stay, and that we hear Him and that we can receive all the blessings He has for us. I really believe patience is very, very important. That So now, having said all that, now, again, looking at the way I, I think God is looking at this, he, God's all-powerful. He's omnipresent. He's omniscient. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Everybody believe everything I'm saying right now so far? He's all of these things. He's almighty God. He's sovereign. He's God. Okay? He is God. He is who he is. Now, if he is all of that, and we really believe that he is all that, don't you think that sometimes if we don't get things Exactly at the time when we may want it, whatever it might be, a building for a worship center or a new job that we're trying to obtain or a new home or what it or anything, even, even milestones in our spiritual life. Do you not think that he knows the best time to deliver that to us? See, he knows the best time to deliver that to us so we can be comforted in our spirit and be patient that if he is this almighty, all-knowing, powerful, same, everlasting God. He's that. We believe he is. He knows best. So we can just sort of relax in that. Not that it's easy to do, but we can if we choose to. So look, James 1, verse uh, 2 through 4. Many of you may know this verse. It says this. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. There's a lot of words for that, but in this translation I'm using, it's, it's patience. But let patience have its perfect work. Let it have it. Let it, let it, let it develop that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So, I want to talk to you about a couple of things that I felt about this idea of patience. First of all, as I've been talking about uh, a little bit, you know, uh, to some people recently, I mean, life is not easy. I don't know what your experience in life is, but I have a wonderful life and I thank God for it. But that doesn't mean it's easy, right? Is life easy for anyone here? <laughs> Again, show of hands. It's, and I don't mean that's not a bad thing. It's just but the fact of the matter is, is that life here on earth, on this earth, isn't easy. And if we realize that, we will see, as it says in verse 2, that we are going to face difficulty. Or it says, when you fall into various trials. It doesn't say, if you happen to have a difficulty come along, come see me. It says, when. When, and it's, so it means it's going to happen, life ain't easy. You're going to face difficulties. You're going to face challenges. That's what's going to happen. And in 2 Timothy, there's a verse I wanted to, to go to and just show you this. It says this, and because Timothy says, and because I preach this good news, I am suffering, and I have been chained like a criminal. But the word of God cannot be chained. The word of God cannot be changed. Now, Timothy, <laughs> again, he's being persecuted. He's so, 
suffering and being chained up like a criminal for doing what? For preaching the gospel, for evangelizing, for trying to get people to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. He's out there doing that, and he's chained up like a criminal. What he knew was this, and what's so important is, is that what we see in the Word of God, all of it, it cannot be harnessed. The world can't do that. It can't be chained. It can't be held down. It can't be tamped down. No Supreme Court, no politician, no, nothing can stop the Word of God. That's something we need to be bold and be confident in and be excited about. No chains can can stop the Word. It is. It always has been. It always will be. It's the Word. And I just think that was so interesting. So look, so we're believers. We said, look, you know, I've had new believers talk to me about this before. It's like, yeah, you know, I'm so excited about how my life's going to get better. (laughs) And I'm like, your life is absolutely going to get better. There's no doubt about it. But it doesn't mean that it's going to be pain-free. It's not going to be that way. As much as we'd like it to be, it's not going to be. And that's okay. That's okay. Because it's still going to be better. So look, if we can patiently go through these things and develop that patience when those trials come and when those difficulties and challenges, some great, some small, When we look at that through the idea of being patient through the trials, what happens is there there becomes a uh, almost what I would consider to be a a shine on you. There's a shine on you when you can do that. And I believe this from the bottom of my heart, and I think the word indicates that. I believe that people will come to know Christ because of how we deal with difficulty in our life. I believe people are going to be drawn to that like a magnet. I know they have been in my life at times. And if that's one person or if it's many, it's all worth it. If we can deal with that patiently trusting God, and one person or more can see that and come to know the Lord, or people who already know the Lord come closer to the Lord because of their, maybe being their discipling, the aspect of their life that needs discipling. You're able to, to, to show them how it's done. That's important. That's why this patience thing is important. So when we're facing all this difficulty, that we can deal with it in the way that the Word of God indicates that we should. So um, there's, the one thing I mentioned was that life ain't easy or isn't easy or is not easy. For those of you grammar... <laughs> I'm from the South. I can say ain't, right? Life ain't easy. And guess what else? No, there's a reason for all of the stuff that happens to us. There's a reason for the things that we go through. There is a purpose, in fact. There's a purpose for it. And I think one of the things that it says in verse 3 of the of the text that I read earlier is that it, in the uh, first three it says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. The testing of our faith, just think about that for a second. The testing of our faith produces patience. And so as I was looking and, and doing some research into this, I saw that this word testing, there's a Greek word for it, fakimadzo, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, and I think I am. I listened to it a few times to make sure I had it correct. 
the pronunciation. But the main thing about this is that word, it, and this is the, 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 sort of all the details of it, but look what it says in Strong's here. It says, I put, so the word, this word that, that is used for the word testing, I put to the test to prove or to examine. And so if you look at that when it says, knowing that the proving of our faith, knowing that I am going to put to the test our faith, those things produce patience. And it says there are the other things. I put to the test, prove, examine, I distinguish by testing. Prove after testing shows that I am fit. So there's a lot of things that you can look at when they're talking about this idea of testing that produces patience. And so what it looked to me was is that uh, this word the testing. So then I started looking and, and was reading an article where it was talking about how this word also, this Greek word, was used for the description of how they dealt with uh, refining precious metals such as gold. But let's say, if you, you probably know this, but if you've, anybody ever watched the show Gold Rush? <laughs> I like that. They go to these gold miners and all this stuff, and they go out, and, they, and I've seen them when they actually do this. Well, what they do with gold is they put it in there, and they raise the temperature up to hundreds and hundreds of degrees, whatever it is, and it burns all the impurities, and they come up to the top. And what happens is, and, and what they did in, in these times is they would just take and skim those impurities right off the top, and what was left is the pure or purest gold. So what was going on is this word is used in addition to other things to describe that process. That process, that testing process, is a refinement, is a purifying. So if you think about that, that the testing that they're talking about and this word that's used, that is something that is going to purify and make It's going to to make us come to a place where that patience is going to be the result of those things. So that testing, those difficulties, those trials, that is important to understand that there's a reason for it, as I said before. It's not just that life isn't easy and that's just we got to deal with it. Life isn't easy, but also there's a reason. There's a purpose. And there's a good thing that can that can come out of that. And so, and then in Second Timothy, also we looked at chapter uh, two, verse nine, a moment ago. In verse ten, it says this: "So I am willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation and eternal glory in Christ Jesus." Now he's now again. Timothy's anything's are more than our anything's. If we said any of us said, "I'm willing to endure anything," if it will. I'm willing to endure anything. Do you know that our anythings weren't even possibly to compare to what Timothy's anythings were? Timothy, when he said, I'll endure anything, man, he was talking about some serious stuff that was going to come his way. And what he was saying is, he believed that. He was living that, in fact. I'm willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation and eternal glory in Christ Jesus to those God has chosen. That's what I was talking about before, this this shine. That we can endure anything if we have these things in our life. If we realize all of the things that that the purpose of it might be. We can do that. There's other things I want to just hit on. I'm going to go past this now. But uh, the third thing is, 
that I want to say about this, that life ain't easy. There is a reason behind it, but you don't have to fret about it either. You don't have to worry about this stuff. I know it's not easy to do, but you don't have to. That's why in the uh, in verse 2 it says, count it all joy. Count it all joy. And so in John 16, 33, I want to go to this. I'm jumping to another thing here, but there's a, a reason for this. I have said these things to you, Jesus is saying, that in me you may have peace. In me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world, Jesus said. So he's saying, look, in the world, yeah, you're going to have some stuff. You're going to have some difficulties. But what's going to happen is, is that in me, if you're in me and you're living in me, I'm abiding in you, you're abiding in me. If these things are happening, you can have peace. In the world, there's going to be tribulation. But guess what? Take heart, be encouraged, be happy, because I've overcome the world. The world in its tribulations, the world in its difficulties, the world in its death and its sickness, and all of the things. He's overcome all of that. That's already done. So be encouraged in that. So look, there's a guy I was talking to not that long ago. It's been a few months now. He was going through a very difficult time in his marriage. He, as a matter of fact, she had moved out. Fortunately, and I just want to report, thank the Lord that they have, you know, they've come back together and they're working things out and they're and they're and they're believing God to just restore things in their marriage. They have two beautiful daughters. He was just he was distraught. I mean, he was really broken because this was right when it was all happening. And I just felt like the Lord had put me there at a particular time, maybe to speak some words of encouragement to him. And, and as we were talking, <laughs> you know, I'm there thinking, well, man, I need to encourage this guy. Lord, give me something to say. Give me something really good and smart and pithy to say. You know, let me let me come up with something really cool. And then he says this to me. We talked, started talking about praying a little bit. And when we did, he goes, you know what, man? When I pray, I think 98% of the time when I pray, I'm praising God for what he's done. How about fell on the floor? He had just spent the last 20 minutes telling me in tears about how broken his life is because of this situation going on in his marriage. And so for me, I'm thinking, okay, Lord, give me something better than that. Because <laughs> I don't know because he just encouraged me. He's going through all of this stuff and he says, when I pray, I'm just thanking God for what he's done. I thought, man, that's awesome. Here you go. <laughs> so I, this is what I say sometimes. Again, bear with me. I'm, I'm from the South. Does being from the South mean you're stupid? I don't know. Some people seem like they act like, oh, you're from the South. It's like, yeah, I am. <laughs> so what? <laughs> anyway, I'm praising when I'm praying. Now, let's say that together. I'm just going to do it just so I can hear you say it. I'm praising when I'm praying. Now, again, there's nothing wrong with intercessory prayer, praying for the needs of others, believing God for things you need, all of that. There's nothing wrong with that at all. That's important. That's necessary. But it's really important that when you're praying, you're praising. You can reverse that, by the way. I'm praying when I'm praising. I'm pra when I'm praising, I'm praying. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm praising when I'm praying. You could get a little, like, thing going and walk around and do, 
something that you can do. And so I, I just really am a big believer in that. I don't think you can praise God enough, amen, for all the things he's done for us. Goodness gracious. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise him when I'm praying. But this guy, I just I felt so encouraged to see. And I felt like, you see, I, I really, and this is what I was talking about before, that shine, if that's the right word. I'm just trying to give you a, you know, aura, maybe some people might say. That's something that he had that I wanted. That I'm a believer, and I was there to encourage him, mind you. I'm trying to lift him up. And I feel like I did. He told me I did. He was happy. I did. We prayed together. But now, <laughs> he had that thing. And I think one of the reasons why is because he was very calm when I was Even though his life was falling apart. He had a great job. He had all these things. His life is falling apart. Yet, he was just calm. Do you know what he was? He was patient. He was patient. He was sitting in knowing that God had this under control. It was going to be okay. And even though it's hard and it's difficult, I'm going to be patient. And I'm going to rest in him. And I felt that coming off of him. I felt that coming from his spirit. And I believe God honored that. And thank the Lord that his marriage was has been restored. And I believe in God for full restoration. And, and I know that's going to happen. But that's what I'm saying. For us, we can do that too. When we're going through difficulties, let's make sure we're the ones that are encouraging them. Does that make sense, what I'm saying? I mean, it's really, it's, it's the opposite of what the world thinks. But it's the way Jesus wants us to be, for instance. If we can go to John 14, we'll skip over to that. He says here, let your hearts, I'm sorry. Go to the next day, thank you. No, I'm sorry. John 14, 1. It says this, let not your hearts be troubled. Let not your, Jesus is saying this to his disciples, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Now, Jesus is saying this to his disciples. It's just amazing when I think about it. Because he was trying to comfort them. He was trying to encourage them. He was trying to make them feel that it's okay. And and I thought, you know, in the chronology of things, about a day later from when he said that, He was being taken to the most brutal, awful, being dragged down the street, carrying a cross, beaten, shamed, mocked, spit upon, horrible, painful, processed, wound up ultimately with them driving nails through his hands into a wooden cross and his feet. That was the day before. He's, but he's saying this. He's telling those guys, look, I love you guys. <laughs> I love you guys. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. He was doing exactly what I'm saying, that, you know, in the tough, because he knew what was going to happen. If I, now, I mean, I'll be honest with you. If I was going, knew that I was going to be executed, I mean, I thought about the way 
we execute people in our capital punishment. Not that way. <laughs> if I knew I was going to be executed tomorrow, I'm sorry. I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't think I'm going to be worried about my 12 buddies and what they're thinking about. I'm sorry. I'm just telling you the way it is. I don't think I'd be doing that. I'd like to think I would be, but I don't think I would be. Now, I mean, that, that, see, that's the heart of God. That's the heart of God. That's the thing I'm talking about is when you're facing what that was, is totally true. Think about the, what we face pales in comparison to that. When you're facing that most difficult thing, that shine I'm talking about, that, that Christ in you coming forth, is something that can be used that is going to reach other people even if you don't know it is. How we're handling that. How we're and so important that patience is the cornerstone of that. That's the heart of God. That He will help you through all these difficulties and He's going to encourage you even when He was facing the most dire of circumstances. That's a mild way of putting it. Yet, he was looking out for them. It wasn't about him. I'm thinking about that. He was worried about them. I just think that's amazing to me. Is that not, is that, man, I know we've heard that verse a lot, but is that, is that coming across to you like, I, like I'm feeling? <laughs> yeah, that's amazing that a person could be like that. And I mean, it, it, and, and, and boy, could we all learn something about that. So, look, the next thing I just want to just share with you, I'm sorry, I'm trying to move around a little bit here. These trials that we deal with, First Peter now, 1-7, says these trials will show that your faith is genuine. Maybe that's something we want to, it's proving, it's testing like the Greek word we talked about, is approving. It's being tested, again, remember that word, as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than your gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, again, when, when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Let me make you, uh, we were talking about news earlier. One of these days, the notifications going to come on your phone. <laughs> Actually, I guess that wouldn't be the case. Hopefully, I won't be looking at my phone. <laughs> Jesus Christ is going to be revealed to this world. This world that is so caught up in its own self and its own interest and the politicians and the power brokers and the wealth and all the things that are in, in ISIS and the terrorists and all these things, all these people in every single facet of, of what we see that is not good in our world today, Jesus Christ will be revealed to them, to this entire world. Now just think about that for a second. Jesus Christ, our Savior, our risen King, there is a day coming that He will be revealed to this entire world. Now man, think about that. And here's the thing that's great about it. Because 
faith remains strong through these trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on that day. Now, Christians, are you looking forward to that day? I am, not because I can say, I told you so, (laughs) but so I can say, man, here he is. Here he is. This is what I've been talking about. This is what I've been saying. Here he is. Oh, you guys thought I was foolish. You thought I was crazy. You thought I was a Bible thumper. You thought I was too Christian or too preachy or too religious or whatever it is. But it doesn't matter because now he's revealed to all of you. That day is coming. Oh, man. That's going to be exciting. He's going to reveal himself to this entire world, and here's the point. He's not putting us in difficulties and challenges in our lives to make us fail or to make us miserable. That's not the purpose of it. I said before, life ain't easy, but there is a reason for all this. There's a purpose. But that's not what it is. It's, it's not to, to make our, our lives difficult. That's not what it's about. But what God does is, He does this. He empowers us to be victorious in everything that we face. He empowers us. That empowers us. He empowers us. That means He gives us power. He is giving us the power to be victorious in all these things, but there's some things that we have to do. There's a bundle of things. I can't talk about them all. I'm going to list a few. One is we have to be obedient. Okay? We have to be obedient. We have to walk in obedience. The next thing is we need to fellowship with believers that believe like us, where we encourage one another and we pray for one another and we say it's okay. We're in this together. We're going to be okay, man. No, I face something like that and God brought me through it. Come on. Let's do this together. That's what's going to happen. See, you get that. You get obedience. You get a prayer life where you're going to be praising when you're praying and you're going to be interceding. You're going to believe God for the answers and you're going to wait and be patient and you're going to trust Him and it's going to be okay. When you bundle all that stuff up, And there's a few more things that can be added to that. When you bundle that prayer life, being in the Word. You've got to be in the Word. You need to do what the psalmist said. You need to meditate in that day and day and night. Be in the Word. Pray. Praise Him for what He's done. Be obedient. You bundle all that stuff together and you are empowered, I promise you, to take any challenge that you're dealing with and put it behind you and put it under your feet. I promise you that. But you can do that when you're patient and you don't let this stuff, you just say, look, God, you've got this. I'm going to walk in obedience. Okay? I'm going to, (laughs) I'm going to, fellowship with my brethren. I'm going to, I'm going to pray. I'm going to meditate in your word. I'm going to let your word be in me and I'm going to be in the word. I'm going, I need all of this, all of these things. See, when you're going through that testing, it's going to produce patience 
Patience is going to produce victory. I'm not saying that's a linear equation. There's a lot of other ways to get there. But what I'm saying is that bundle of things empowers us to be victorious. There is no reason, and I don't want to hear, there's no reason, and I know I'm, I'm, that things can be difficult. <laughs> not making any comment to the, to the contrary. But there is no reason that if we develop this patience, this waiting on God, do the things that empower us to be victorious, that we have to be miserable. We don't have to live in defeat, you guys. We don't. We can walk around with our head up and be extremely positive about everything that's happening around us, even when we're in the midst of it. And this is coming from somebody, have you ever heard the term, well, you have to hit rock bottom? Well, I hit it. Okay, or at least I think I did. If there's anything below that, I don't want to know where it is. Let me put it that way. I'll tell you that story in detail more, more some other time. But I'm telling you, there's a point where you just come, man, this, is, this ain't working. I'm miserable. I can't do this on my own. That's an important thing that you have to come to. I've come to it, and I just then I said, look, God help me. And I hope that part of that was that I began to learn to be patient with him. And I learned to live for him and be obedient to him and read his word and pray and fellowship and all the other things. I came together in those things, and that empowered me to be victorious over the difficulties, over the trials, over the addiction, over anything. You see, that's what it is. It empowers us. All right, look. I saw this guy one time. This is years ago. This has been around for years. He was in a, I, I forget where I saw it, but it was a guy. He was one of these people that was in a gym all the time, obviously. And God bless him. But I mean, he was proud of himself. I'll tell you. He was a big muscle-bound guy. He was probably twice. Like everybody always says, you're a big guy. You're a big guy. It's like, not, I mean, I think big guys are like, you know, I don't know. These other people, the football players and stuff. This guy was enormous, ripped muscles, big neck. You know what I'm talking about? Just spent probably every day, hours and hours and hours in a gym. Again, God bless him. He was walking around at this place where I saw him in a T-shirt, two sizes too small for him. There's a reason for that, I'm sure. And on this T-shirt it said, pain is weakness leaving your body. Have you ever seen that? Pain is weakness leaving your body. And at the time, I just thought, man, that guy needs to get an extra large. <laughs> but after that, I started thinking about it. And then you've seen it. I mean, that's something I think has been around. This is a long time ago. Then I started thinking about this the other day. I was like, pain is weakness leaving your body. Now, think about that. Now, let me go to this just for a second. Right, let's jump back, Rich, to uh, to Second Corinthians. Thank you. Twelve eight to ten. Right here we go. So look, just really quick. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this. The natural thing for us to do is what Paul did, right? Is that we're tired. We're ti- I can't deal with this. I'm spent. I'm done. I'm I can't. I'm, I'm tired. I'm exhausted. 
I, I can't please get this away from me. Take this away from me. That's our, and again, I understand that. There's, that's the natural thing that you would think. And this is what, what Paul was saying here. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, and it should leave me. And then it says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses. Thought about boast. What do you mean, like you're bragging on it? No. Boast, he's saying, I believe, I will not be ashamed of them. I, yeah, I'm weak. How many people are want to walk down to the street corner and stand up? You ever seen those guys spinning the signs out there trying to get you to go to a store or something? How many people want to go out there and hold up a big sign? I am weak. I am weak. Weakness is my middle name. I am weak. I am weak. <laughs> no, we don't want to do that. But Paul's saying, look, it's okay. Because guess what? No matter what you think and what you want yourself to be or who you see yourself as, you are weak. You're weak, and so am I. And guess what? Because of this wonderful Savior and this wonderful Word and all the things that James is talking about and being patient and everything else, guess what? That's okay. It's okay to be weak. So I'm just saying this is what I say all the time. I can't do this. Not enough. I don't say it enough. I'll say that. I still get in my own way. I can't do this. God, help me. I don't know how to do this. Help me. I'm not prepared to do this. Help me. I don't know how to do it. Show me the right way. Put me with the right people. Open the right doors. Show me favor in this situation. Let people get, just intervene in the affairs of men to help me get through this situation that I'm in. I rely on him because I am weak. And that's okay. See, that's the thing. Paul's saying, look, I mean, I'm glad I'm weak. So that the power of Christ will rest upon me. So I look at that like, you know what? I don't know if this is the best way to explain it, but look. He is boasting all the more gladly of his weaknesses. I'm weak. I admit it. It doesn't matter. But if I do that, it allows so that it allows the power of Christ to rest upon me. Do you see that? So that power of Christ, we can utilize that when we admit to ourselves that we can't do it. Part of that, in order to accomplish that, requires being patient. You can't try to have things fast. and Everything can't be McDonald's. You've got to be patient in order to admit and settle on the fact that you can only do this through him. And then it goes on to say this. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardship, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So he's saying weaknesses he's content with. Insults. How many people have been insulted? How many people have insulted someone else? (laughs) How many people have been offended? How many people know that offense is like one of the biggest things that the, that the enemy is using against the church and against the body of believers in this day and age? How many people know that? It's one of the number one things that's coming against this 
that Christians, people who believe in Christ and who want to live for him, that's one of the number one things the enemy is using to attack us. But Paul said, I'm going to insult me, offend me. Okay, I'm weak. I'm going to go through the hardships, persecutions, and calamities, this translation said. That means, like, I'm okay if you insult me and call me names and offend me in all manner. That's fine. I'm okay with that. And I'm okay if a hurricane blows over. You know, I mean, or an earthquake comes and swallows me up. That's a calamity. I mean, he's basically saying, soup to nuts, I'm okay with it all for when I am weak. So I think about that pain as weakness leaving the body. So that pain that we go through, those trials that we go through, those difficulties and things that we go through, as we remain patient and steadfast and focused on those bundle of things I talked about, fellowship, being in the Word, praying, being obedient, all of those things that empower us, as we do all of that, all of that... As I said, pain is weakness leaving. Pain, difficulty, struggle, challenges, all of that is leaving the body because you're getting stronger. But because when I am weak, then I am strong. That's a profound thing. You really could think about a long time. That sentence, for when I am weak, then I am strong. So look. It's, I know this has been a lot, I'm just sort of coming to this last part here. I want to just share with you this last verse as I close here. And it's James 5, 10, and 11. And it says this, For examples of patience and suffering, dear brothers and sisters, look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We give great honor to those who endure under suffering. For instance, you know about Job, a man of great endurance. You can see how the Lord was coming to him at the end. For the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. Now, again, that's from James 5. There's so much in James. That's in the fifth chapter. But honestly, I thought about this, and I thought about, the, have you ever heard the, 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 uh, the, the term, the patience of Job? Have you ever heard that? I wonder why they use those words. You ever think about that? You've got the patience of Job. <laughs> Usually it's in a way that it might be sort of insulting when somebody says that to you. Like, you need to do something about this, man. No, it's okay. I think my dad has the patience of Job. He does. And that's a good thing. See, Job realized that by being patient, and trusting God, you can make that synonymous if you want, but being patient and trusting God through the whole thing, he was going to be okay. Yet he was being hit in the mouth and knocked down to an extent, again, of things that we can't even imagine. Do you remember what all Job went through? His wife was cussing him out. I mean, I'm serious. I don't mean to be too crass, but I'm just saying, I mean, she was basically saying, Turn your back on God. I don't know that there's much profanity that's worse than that. That's blasphemous, right? Thelen said, hey, we need to turn our back on God. I don't know if there's any other words I could say that would be much worse than that. I mean that. That's bad. Just forget him. He's let you down. He's dropped the ball on you. He's let the devil destroy you. So here's Job after all of that. The patience of Job is patient in the storm. 
He was patient in the trial. He was patient in the devastation and the destruction is really what it was. And yet, through that trusting patience that he had, he came out of it at the other end with double what he had before. You know that, right? He got double. Now, I would have been satisfied with men. You put me through all this, or, or I went through all of this. And however I wanted to look at it, and I went through all this, I made it. Thank you, God. Lord, you've, you've, you've brought me through it. I'm coming out in victory. And look at this. You gave me back what I had. I'd be happy. But that wasn't enough. See, that's not the heart of God. He came back to Job and said, yeah, you did all this, but guess what? Everything you had, I'm doubling it. I'm doubling it. See, that's available to us. That's available to us in our lives. We can't discount the fact that God, when he brings us through something, not exactly like Job, but I'm saying when he brings you through something, when you come out on the other side, he's not going to just restore. He's going to restore and give you double what you have or what the reason was and what the proving was and what the testing was. That patience is going to result in something being multiplied in your life, not just bringing you back to where you were. That's the heart of God. So all I would say is this, is that I hope that you will do with me what I'm going to do this week. And I'm going to pray for patience for everyone that attends this body of believers in First Assembly. Would you join me in that? Just even if it's a sentence in your prayer, would you be, if you're not, but if you're willing to do that, would you raise your hand and just try to keep that on your heart when that's, if that comes into your spirit, just say, Lord, I pray for patience for my brothers and sisters in the body of believers at First Assembly. I'm going to pray for that. That means I'm praying for each and every one of you. If somebody wanted me to pray for you by name because you're really struggling with that, you let me know, and I will. I promise you I will. And I'm going to pray for me, and I'm going to pray for my wife, and I'm going to pray for my family, that he will give us patience to understand that that, in the times of the difficult things that we face, great or small, that we will realize that this is a proving, that this is a purifying, that this is a time that's, that the fire is burning off all of the other things and it's purifying things, bringing us into a more righteous walk, into a more, uh, into a more of a call to holiness in our lives. And all of these things that I believe in what God's going to do through that patience for, for, for each of us, for our families, and for our church will be that it will bring to us double whatever it is that we have been faced with as a church or as an individual or as a family, he's going to bring back double to restore something into your life because of that. I just believe that. I'm not shy about saying it, and I believe it. In the bottom of my heart, the best way he's going to do he's not going to just give you back what you had. He's going to give you something more. Something more. If it's double, if it's triple, it might be more than that. No, no, that doesn't matter. But it's going to be more. It's going to be more. And I just pray that you would join me in this prayer for our family as a church and for you. And that even if you've developed a real patience in your life by waiting on the Lord and you're mature in your faith, ask that you can even be more so that way. And pray that you can share that and bring that into others' lives. And that that 
And, and as that friend that I was telling you about earlier, that that, that would shine off of us, and that, the, and that the image of Christ and that His love and that His light would shine through us into others, and that they would come to either know the Lord or that they would come into a closer fellowship with Him because of that patience in our lives. So I'm going to pray for us right now, if I could, and I just ask you to just start today, and, and if you would, let's just pray for that. Heavenly Father, I ask you to come into this place and, and give us a powerful dose, if you will, of patience in our lives and in our church and in our family and our fellowship here, and that we would be willing to be patient through the difficulties, through the uncertainties, and not only just in difficulties and challenges, oh God, but when we are faced with decisions that we won't try to move too quickly, that we won't do what our culture conditions us to do, that what will happen is that we will be patient and wait on you so that when the right time is we will hear from you, and when we hear from you that we'll know when it's time to move and when it's time to stay. So, Father, I just ask you right now to just burden our hearts to develop patience in our lives. Let it be something that shows from us in every situation to all those around. And as a corporate fellowship, as our church, Lord, I just pray that you would give us that gift of patience and, and develop it and grow it and increase it in everyone that, that is a part of this body of believers here at First Assembly. And yet, let it yield through all of the things, just as it did with Job. Let it yield when we go through the difficult times, as Pastor was saying, there's some challenges and things we're facing on some, some issues of business at the church. When we go through some of these difficult times, we're going to trust you, we're going to be patient, we're going to rest in that, we're going to be all about that, that waiting to hear from you and waiting on you to, to, to tell us when to move and when to stay. And when we do that, you're going to bring us through and you're going to bring us through with more than what we even had. You're going to meet all of those needs. Lord, I just pray for that for just for each and every person here that we would just increase, that you would help us increase that wonderful emotion and feeling 